to How to Win the Lottery, Season Six, Seven, Delaware. Six are are the are the Delaware are the interstitial states modules? Hell yeah, count as seasons. Do they count as states? Delaware barely. <laughs> right. I'm Joey Lewandowski. Um, Shreds. He's back. Shreds, are you ready? You want me to start with or end with? I got three Delaware facts today. Let's give us two Delaware facts and then we'll end with another Delaware right. fact. Delaware, it, it, you, you'll be able to suss this out. Where among the 50 states do you think it ranks in total area out of 50? One being the biggest, 50 being the smallest. Delaware is state number three. You gotta go the other way. You say 48. Oh, oh, oh 48, yeah. Close. It is 49. I think it's only bigger than Rhode so Island. It's only bigger than Rhode Island. What else do you think was, was smaller? I'm than not it? sure. 1,982 square miles. Yeah. It has four state nicknames. Do you know any of them? The first state. That's the main one. Uh-huh. Um, one, if you'll remember our last episode, there was a story I told you, like, this is boring. Another <laughs> did, Delaware did, did, fact. Did I, did I fake uh, uh, like snoring? Uh, probably. I mean, I, even when you don't do it, I hear you doing it. <laughs> the Blue Hen State. Do you remember the Blue Hen State? The state I, bird is okay. the Blue Hens. Is that in the name of like a college team? Are they like the Blue Hens? I have no idea. The Delaware Blue Hens? Maybe. That's pretty good. It's also the Diamond State. And Where, where does that come from? Don't know. And Small Wonder. Small, oh, Small Wonder. Wonder. Like a, like um the TV show. Sure. Do you know Small Wonder, the TV I show? don't. Small Wonder was a TV show about a uh, little girl who was a robot. And she, like, grew up with a family. Okay. And, and she was the small wonder. And. When was it? Is it, like, the 80s? Yeah, the 80s. And I think it was only a season or two long. Um, I think they may have started to run into the problem of that child aging. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's why you do it as a movie, not a TV show. Yeah. Um, but, it, yeah, it was, like, a domestic comedy. Um, was it good? Did you watch it? I think it was. I've seen a couple episodes here mm. and there. I, I think it was not. I think it was just an eighty show that was. Was it set in Delaware? I have really have no idea. Not gonna look it up. Not uh, to look it up. I wonder. Gosh, yeah. I wonder what TV shows, if any, have been set in Delaware. I'm gonna Google that TV yeah, shows you, set in Delaware. Go ahead, Google it. Category: TV shows set in Delaware. Sure. Why is there a subcategory? Okay, there are. Four, and then like one kind of spinoff. We've got a show called Messiah, which I do not know. Is that the show that... Uh, there's a show right now that on Netflix... It's that, a Netflix show. That is... Uh, uh, there's a Mark Millar comic called American Jesus. And they uh, they changed the title away from American Jesus, I think because that title was upsetting to people for reasons that are maybe obvious this no this is not that show this was a show that came out january 1st 2020 pre-covid i canceled okay. after one year and said michelle monahan and it. it was a she has a cia officer messiah okay show number two the pretender from 96 to 2000 on nbc hmm. show called secret service which was aired from 92 to 93 on nbc Hmm. Whatever happened to dot 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 Robot Jones? <laughs> Cartoon Network show. Okay. All right. I was gonna say that one sounds good. And then Steven Universe and Steven Universe Future are apparently set in Delaware. So honestly, more than I thought there was gonna be. None of which I've seen even a single episode of. But what can you do? 
What can you do? Oh, this is episode two. This is The Book of Unknown Americans by Christina Enriquez. Firmly set in Delaware. Much much more so than Fight Club. I, I, I read this. I, I started reading it. I finished reading it before you, maybe for the first time ever. And I text you after the first time. I'm just like, treads, we're in the clear. Delaware, baby. Firmly Delaware. Yeah. Uh, what is Delaware about it? Let's let's see if we have... Um, I have a take on this that is maybe... I don't know. Well, so what is the what is the novel about first? And then we'll talk about what's the Delaware of it. It is about a... Two families, I guess. M- mostly mm-hmm. two families, right? One is a Panamanian family and mm-hmm. one is a Mexican family. And they both move to a town... Uh, but more specifically a building yep. in Delaware that houses mostly immigrants from, uh, it seems, exclusively Spanish-speaking countries. Yep. And uh, they all go to the same schools and... Shop at the same places. And yeah. And and the reasons why each family comes is for, is different, but they, they sort of form a tight bond uh, among themselves. And they'll have a different reason for getting there, mm-hmm. going there. Some want to go there, some don't want to go there. They just wind up there. So your question was, what is Delaware about it? Yeah, what's so Delaware about it? I think the thing, and I don't know if this answers the question, I think the thing that was interesting to me is that you think about, like, these kind of immigrant stories as, especially for, like, Spanish language, like, because somebody's, you know, from Mexico, from whatever, like, you think of, like, Texas or, like, southern states. Yeah. And then here it's just like, no, they're everywhere. And I think there's something right, right, right. that's very, I don't know if powerful is the right word, but, like, the universality, like, there's... Mm-hmm. People from everywhere, all over the place. Yeah, there are immigrant communities all across America. Yep. In to various degrees, mm-hmm. obviously, like there's less probably in Utah or whatever. Right. Um, but there's still probably some in yeah, Utah for sure. Um, so I, I don't know if that's particularly Delaware about it, but I think there's something interesting about the angle of it being set in Delaware because you're like, oh, a Mexican family moves to America, got to be set in Texas, Arizona, New Mexico. It's like, no, it's Delaware. It's like, well, why? Yeah, there's also this thing where uh, snow becomes a plot point, mm-hmm. which is uh, uh, feels kind of important to it, uh, which reminded me of a Julie, uh, this Julia Alvarez short story called Snow, in which during the Cuban Missile Crisis, a, a little girl moves to America, and she, like, snow is, like, one of her vocabulary words, and she... Um, but it's during the Cuban Missile Crisis, so they're also, like, having conversations about nuclear fallout and stuff like that. And when she looks out the window and sees snow for the first time, she believes that it's nuclear fallout. Oh. Which is, I mean, that's a really good short story. It's also only, like, a paragraph. So feel feel free to go read that, dear listener. What else do you think is a Delaware about this? Well, there there are some specific uh, locations, right? When they, mm-hmm. they, they, they there's, like, um, the thing that... The thing that makes the mother fall in love with America for the first time is that she goes to the, uh, she sees the ocean mm-hmm. and there's something about the ocean, uh, in Delaware at the beach that she like finally feels like she's at home. Yeah. There's like the frozen lake that is probably uh, a noteworthy location in Delaware. Yeah. That nobody is skating on cause they don't have skates, but they're all like running on and, and skating around. That's pretty on. cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think I think there's also one character who like winds up there for the tax haven, which is like that's yeah, Delaware. Is that or is I that don't not? I don't remember. Maybe it's not a, it's not a major character, but it's, okay. if it, you know. But um, I also wonder like I was looking up Christina Enriquez and like there's not a lot of information I can find about her online. And this was this book was a big deal when it came out in 2014. It was like Oprah loved it and it was on like Amazon's top ten sellers and there's oh, a bunch. This of, is an Oprah book. I don't know if it's an Oprah official Oprah book, but her name is associated with this in yeah. some form. But, like, I couldn't find out if 
And this was like not her story, but like similar to her story. If she grew up in Delaware, or like I couldn't figure out why. Like as as you were like investigating whether or not this is like a kind of auto fiction. Like, yeah, because I want to be like, well, why? Like, I understand the impulse to want to mm-hmm. tell like an immigrant story, but like why the immigrant story in Delaware? Like, yeah, it feels and, probably. And, and if it is auto fiction, then it's masked auto fiction because the main character characters that we get first person from are either adults or a male child. Mm hmm. Right. So she's she's masking by, by Correct. you know, doing various things. Where do I want to begin? I think the thing I want to maybe start with is I felt uncomfortable in a lot of this that the core. The, the main character, who's the child, mayor. Is, mayor, is pursuing a romantic relationship with a girl who has suffered brain damage. Yeah. And it feels rapey. Okay. Feels predatory. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't get past that to yeah. an extent. Like that wasn't like I think like when the chapters in his point of view I think are my least favorite for mostly that reason. I think the parent stuff I enjoyed more, but that I was just like, like I get the whole like you're a thirteen year old boy or whatever just trying to you're horny all the time and like you see the most beautiful girl she's fucking gorgeous this is also juxtaposed with him rescuing her from someone who is maybe going to rape her correct um so so we have that contrast between him and like the the actual bad guy but it feels in a way like when he kisses her and like he keeps kissing her like she can't maybe consent and it mm-hmm. just like, it, it feels like i wasn't sure what not the point of the thing was going to be, but like where the story yeah. was going to go. Like if this was going to be like the thing and like it kind of is the thing, but then it becomes a different thing becomes about something different, something else. But this kind of leads to that. But I was just like, I don't know. I felt it, it made me feel uncomfortable in that regard. I didn't really feel uncomfortable with that. I thought that the book like took great pains to like that. That story felt really YA to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it took a lot of pains to, show that he was on her side and he was the one person that was empathizing with her and really like asked her questions. And she, he was like the one person that she was actually comfortable around. Yeah. And, um, I mean, he kisses her and then, and then I guess he gropes her later. Um, and I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. This is, this is like, a. It's weird because she definitely likes him and she wants to be with him in some Well, she likes being around in him. some yeah. context and I also just want to like I, I think it's an interesting ground to walk on because people who have suffered traumatic brain injuries like also deserve to be able to be in romantic relationships right. and not just like necessarily romantic relationships with other people who have suffered from traumatic brain injuries. Correct. Right? So, now whether or not they can take some more time from when they're 14 years old to, mm-hmm. to when they're a little older and have recovered a little more. That's another, that's another question. But also 14 year olds are, are, are crazy. They, they have yeah. so many like chemicals that are fucking them all up. But like what's, what's, so the reason her family moves there is to go to a school that can help her. And it's like, she has yeah. not begun to recover yet. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like strange timing in that regard. Right. Where it's like, and we also never get a chapter from her perspective. Which might be impossible to write. I don't know. No, I, I mean, I think it's. It, I, I think it's not impossible to write. You have. It's not impossible to write because a lot of some great books have done it, but you run the risk of, 
like it's a risky chapter to write mm-hmm. because because people can look at that and go like oh like she's like like the part in jest she's doing a voice right or like i mean you know uh flowers for algernon is probably the best example yeah. of, of that where like most of that book is written in a developmentally disabled voice maybe you can do it it's just she doesn't try to which she she punts on it mm-hmm. which which denies us her perspective which puts the book in that place that you're concerned about yeah because you get the sense that there is a lot going on underneath that she just has trouble expressing. Because I think what the book ultimately becomes about is, to a certain extent, like xenophobia and racism. Yeah. And you can get to where it gets to if she does not have brain damage. Yeah, I don't. But there's something there's something about her being damaged in that way that makes it... I, I okay, so I I guess otherwise you could have it be just be like her parents are super protective and right. they don't want her to go outside like ever. a Romeo and Juliet story. But that would yeah. also that would feel um, trite a little bit because just because we've seen it so many times. Sure. But also what you have with her being uh, damaged in the way that she is is y- you get the the arc of the mother's guilt, which I think works really well. Yeah. But like I think in terms of the keeping her from Mayor. Mm-hmm. And then him sort of like rescuing her or whatever and going away and then leading to the dad getting killed. I, I will talk about the dad getting killed. But like, it, it feels I, like I have it, some stuff to say. It about feels that, like but. the brain that like, it just doesn't feel like necessary. Like, I think there's other ways to get around it. But I yeah. do like the guilt angle. Like, I just I don't know what I wanted this to be about. It, but I, I felt like I wasn't sure if it was going to be about anything, which mm-hmm. I didn't think was like as a negative. But like, because so much of it is just like them trying to figure out how to make it in America, which I would be fine with. And then it becomes this whole other thing. I'm just like, I'm not sure. I think the best part of the book is the part where he he uh, pulls her out of school so they can go mm-hmm. watch the mm-hmm. snow. Because that feels like a very narcotic young love, damn the consequences. Yep. Like, it's us against the world. We're going to do this thing. I know I'm going to get in trouble, but, like, I need to be with you right now. And if I'm not, I'm going to explode. And there's something there's something great about that. And mm-hmm. then they fall asleep and it's like, you know, that the consequences are coming. How the consequences come, I do not like because then it turns it into what feels a little bit like a morality play. No matter how many times after that they state explicitly, this is not your fault. This is not your fault. It does make it seem like that the dad gets shot because of a decision that the son makes. Right. Which is like, I guess that's the way consequences work in the world. But when you're structuring fiction, like – it seems like you're morally condemning the children for their act, mm-hmm. right? Which I'm not. I'm not wild about. Like I was trying to think of like who. And I think I don't. I don't know. If there's a, a a singular answer to this question, but like who the one main character would be, and I don't know that there is one. But like I'm trying to figure out like yeah, who's learning the lesson from this? Like what's the lesson to take away? And like if it is Mayor, what lesson does he learn? I don't know because he like he knows what he's doing is quote unquote wrong. Right? I guess so. Like, he knows he's going to get in trouble. He knows he's going to get in trouble. And he doesn't care. Yeah, but ultimately he also knows that she's safe with him. Mm-hmm. He knows that they have, you know, it's one of those things when you're, when you're 14, 15. Sure. You, it's, it's like you don't feel like you have forever. You feel like you have this one moment right. in your life and you have to do everything right now, right now, right now. Well, especially I think that's compounded by the fact that, like, if the dad – if her dad loses his job, which he does, uh-huh. they could force deportation – they could face deportation, mm-hmm. which they – do for mm-hmm. part of this right so like they only they might really only have now yeah um i don't know but i was just like mm, 
not sure. The other issue that I had, and like I think overall, like I liked more of it than I didn't. But the other thing that like stood out to me as a thing that I did not like was, and I'm sure it's true, and I'm sure it happened, but using 9/11 as a reason to not go home. Yeah. And I'm like, I get it, but also, uh-huh. I'm like, that's where this is going. Where they're like, oh, I'm so excited to go home, and then 9/11 happens, and just like, I love it. I love 9/11 popping up in a book because <laughs> it's like. It, 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 I, I think because it's like any, I don't know how old Christina Enriquez is. I assume she's around my age, maybe a little bit older. She looks, I mean, I have, I have no idea. Again, um, her website does not have information. Uh, but based on based on what she's saying about 9-11, mm-hmm. my guess is that she's either a little younger than me or a little older than me. Um, and for people our age and, and your age, like 9-11 is something that is just dropped into our stories, mm-hmm. right? So when it shows up in books movies, whatever, it can feel hacky, but at the same time, it also feels like... That's the thing that we all went through. Yeah, it's it's like all of a sudden, like, collectively, we're all there again. You can all picture the thing happening exactly as you pictured mm-hmm. it, exactly as you saw it first person, and and it, it is like a great connector in a very broad way. Um, and also, like, America has a, a sense of irony around 9-11 and a sense of tragedy around 9-11, and... You never know, like, what 9-11 is going to show up, right? right? So, yeah. like, that's also something that's really interesting to me, to me too. Like, the 9-11 that shows up in this book is so different from the 9-11 that shows up in, like, My Year of Rest and Relaxation or right, uh, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Which I did not read, but I saw mm-hmm. and did not like. Or, or uh, uh, Falling Man or any number of – Sure. Th- th- like, there's so many – 9-11 books that's like and and you have like a different version of all 9-11 and all of them and they're all the 9-11 that we know and love baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i was just like it just felt i think i might have told this and I, I don't remember if i told the story in this podcast or not i, I might have told you at, at off mic whatever but when we were doing keanu club when we were doing keanu reeves podcast and we were watching all of his movies and we were like researching, like, what are we going to cover? Because like, you know, we went through his IMDb and there's like where he stars as self. And it's just like him on like late night shows or whatever. There's like Keanu Reeves, Journey to Success, whatever. It's like an unauthorized biography. Mm-hmm. And we're like, what is this? And then the middle of the movie, it's like. Hold on. Okay. It, yeah. You can't. You can't. I don't know. Do you know this or no? So. It's some guy who just made a documentary about Keanu's career and he's selling the DVDs on eBay for like eight bucks or not eBay, Amazon for eight bucks. So Mike and I were like, yeah, we're going to watch it. So we bought it and it's talking about, you know, how he like started acting, blah, 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 whenever. And then it's like, you know, Keanu was beset by track, like things just like happened in his life. You know, his sister got sick. His girlfriend died. Blah, blah, blah. 9-11 happened. It's, just like, <laughs> it's like, hold on. So like, but the way that it posits, it's like, it's like look, nine eleven happened to everybody and Mark Wahlberg, mm-hmm. right? Those are the people that nine eleven happened to. Yep. But this this documentary, which is like an hour long, not good, is basically just like, just when Keanu thought his life couldn't get any worse, nine eleven. It's just like, <laughs> it didn't happen just to him. Like you know, it was, it was this wild where we're like, hold on, what? But yeah, it happened to Seth MacFarlane. Mm-hmm. It happened to Mark Wahlberg, mm-hmm. and it happened to the rest of us. Yep. Boy, but yeah, it's, I was just like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Not that I didn't like it, but I was just like, that seems, I mean, like, look, if you're looking for reasons why, like justifiable reasons why a family who 
the mom, all she wants to do is go home to visit her family mm-hmm. in Panama or wherever, whichever story it is. Like, what is one undeniable reason she can't go home? Well, 9-11 also, I, I think stories about immigrants, 9-11 plays a big role because... Like nine eleven is why you have things like ice. I also think and, and, and so like that's like future tripping about about it. Like it's saying it, it's showing you this thing that happens that has this like reach that goes decades into the future. I wish that it was more maybe like mm-hmm. I didn't think about it like that. I wish it was maybe more overt or it played a bigger role. Like that's yeah a better reason to include it. But yeah. the fact it's just like well nine eleven and then it just moves on. It's like mm-hmm. hold on what? But yeah no I'm I uh, I'm with it. I had no problem with that. Cool. I figured you would. Mm-hmm. You love a 9-11 story. Yeah. Um, what did you think overall of this? Well, let's let's talk briefly about the structure of it before I get to my overall. Okay. The structure goes from various first-person perspectives. Mm-hmm. And then there are chapters in between that are first-person perspectives that we never get again from people. Of seemingly another person in the complex. And it is their immigrant story, just telling... And, and it's like a wide variety. From a bunch of different countries. And it's showing us all how all of these immigration stories are completely different and how all of them um, are very, like, uh, have a depth of humanity to them. They, they, mm-hmm. co- they cover, like, a significant um, basis of, of the various people that, that, li- that live in this world. And so that that show, that that's like the book of unknown Americans is like all of these people who don't get their stories told largely because of um, they're denied a first person perspective in media mm-hmm. and they're denied a first person perspective in media because of a language barrier. Mm-hmm. Right. That they they don't get to tell their own stories because and other people are always speaking for them on their behalf. Um and you get that with the the when the dad goes into the neighborhood and he gets shot and the guy's arrested. Um, but like you get the sense that ultimately in the future his story will be forgotten. He's just another person. Mm-hmm. Um He's a he's a statistic. He's a statistic. And and you get the sense that maybe he wouldn't just be a statistic if if people were able to tell their own stories, or you get multiple instances in in throughout the entire novel where people are uh, frustrated by their inability to communicate, whether it be mm-hmm. the mother on the bus mm-hmm. or the mother with the kid that she's trying to tell to yep. leave her daughter alone. Yep. Um, or, or just being uh, not the language barrier, but like being able to unable to communicate with their daughter. Okay. So here's, this is my problem. Okay. It feels a little bit like the daughter's brain damage and her inability to communicate and people lacking empathy toward her and getting frustrated with her. And trying to tell her story for her. Because remember, over and over again, she tells Mayor, like, you're the only one who listens to me. Mm-hmm. You're the only one who. Mm-hmm. It feels like that is a metaphor for the uh, subaltern, which the subaltern is like a post-colonial concept. I, I, I don't know who it's originally written by, but Gatry Spivak writes about it as um, like the way that oppressed people in colonial uh, like in a post-colonial world, lack voices. They're they're completely incapable of speaking up on on behalf of themselves. Um, Gatcher Spivak also writes about how all minority tales are doomed to be uh, nationalist metaphors. So if someone writes, a, if someone from Panama writes, and if someone from Panama in America writes a Panamanian novel that takes place in America, 
it is, instead of being a story about a girl with brain damage, it ends up being a Panamanian story. Or, I mean, she's Mexican. So, it, it, uh, mm-hmm. Mayor is the Panamanian one. It ends up being a Mexican story about a girl with brain yep. damage, which which makes it a story about Mexico and a story about Mexico's role in America. And my problem with this, as a metaphor, is it sounds like she's saying that immigrants are fucking brain damaged. Mm. <laughs> which I do not like, mm. right? That That is where, like, I run into a brick wall with this book because, like, I think that is an effective metaphor. I think it is, uh, uh, like, a, 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 a powerful metaphor, and I think it is uh, a completely wrong metaphor. I think it's mm. a bad metaphor that shouldn't be out there. I felt like, and I don't know if I, I could really articulate it, but and it's not that exact thing, but I feel like it's kind of not a hat on a hat, but it's like, the language barrier in two different, like it's, I think it's, there's just one too many elements here. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it's trying to tell, what's it, subaltern? Subaltern. I don't know if she's trying to tell an immigrant story, um, a family tragedy story, or both. I, th- I think it is both. I think it's, I think, I think she's, and I don't even, look, giving Christina Enriquez the benefit of the doubt that might not even be a purposeful metaphor, right? That that might not be something that that might be something that like through the the error of subconscious comes together like that, and I'm reading it. Well, like you're that, also right? you also as this podcast has proven, yeah, you read things with a focus on language. Yes, yeah, right, right. That's one thing. But that also, was, like, even though mm-hmm. even like ex, if this is ex, and this is explicitly about language, yeah. it might not be about language in the way that you're perceiving it to be about language. Right, right. So I like I'm giving Christine Enriquez the the benefit of the doubt. I think she is a actually a very talented writer. I think that um the, the relationships that she constructs in this book are emotionally felt and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a really important story to be told because I think that. The, the titular unknown Americans are just that, mm-hmm. right? We don't like have enough um, of this type of book in, in not only a pop culture, but in the Academy. I mean, more and more it's happening. Right. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, get out there and tell, and tell those stories. So like my criticism is, is, is my criticism and le- like it, and whatever. Um, I don't have the final say in this, but, but at the same time, it is like that really like injured the book for me. Like part of me. And I know that like, I, I shouldn't feel this way, but part of me was like, is the fact that I don't like this book an indication that like I don't like immigrant stories? Oh, okay. Like, like, I don't want, like let's 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 work that out without like I, without you uh, which I, which I, falling into the chasm of of which is not true. But I was yeah. like, there's so I think the point that you're making that you've been making is like there's so and what I was thinking while reading there's so few stories that are like this that are telling the story mm-hmm. that to criticize the one that is out there feels bad. <laughs> Again, so you're, you're uncomfortable with criticizing it from like a, a white perspective. Like if there were like a thousand stories about Panamanians mm-hmm. in Delaware, yeah, yeah, you could be like, yeah, this one's not my favorite. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when like there's one yeah. and you're like, I don't like it. It feels bad. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, again, I think, a lot of it worked for me. Uh, I didn't like the dad being killed. That did not work for me at all. I didn't like what I came to perceive as the uh, subconscious connection between uh, brain damage and the immigrant experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you know, I the, the, there were parts of it that I that I really loved. I loved when he stole her from school and they go to look at snow because he, especially because he wants to show her the part that made his mom fall in love with America because he wants yeah. her to be comfortable in this place. Right. I just didn't. I don't know what I because I I agree with you that like him stealing her from school is like the most exciting. Like it feels almost like Bud Smith's teenager in a way where mm-hmm. it's like a little bit of just like fuck it, we're gonna do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there, there's an energy to it that doesn't exist in the rest of the book, but. I think I would have liked this more if like Mayer was not a character we followed. If he was just like, like if we just sort of follow like the mom or the moms, maybe, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, Cause I just, I just couldn't get behind that kind of writing. And I, I, it's difficult. I think as you know, an adult woman to write for a 14 year old boy, like there's like so much different, but I just, th- those didn't work for me in the point where I was just like, I don't, I don't buy it. Like this, this doesn't feel authentic in a way. Okay. Um, I don't know. I just didn't love that, but I would have liked stories from Maribel's perspective. And I think that, I think the way that you do that, and I apologize for, for like trying to rewrite a book. Um, but I think the way that you do that is within her first person narration, you have it be sort of repetitive and circumlocutive and you have her forgetting the things that she just said so that Mm -hmm. she ends up saying the things again and again, or you transcribe her notebook yeah into it yeah um and i think that's a way to get her perspective and if in that notebook she is writing about how she wants mayor to kiss her Mm -hmm. or anything like that then you like get away from a lot of the problems that we have now i don't like again that's not really a problem for me and also that might be a problem that the author wants you to have Right. Like she might be looking at that as like, oh, this complicates the reader's relationship with these characters and they have to confront it with this feeling of how do I feel about this? Am I being ableist or am I like being someone who is protecting someone from a predator? And and that's right. like that's like a complicated uh, dialectic for you to experience as a reader. Well, I think because I think the way that Mayer is portraying this is like this kid whose dad kills is the murderer who gets arrested, whatever he's a predator. I'm a good guy. It's like, well, you're yeah. also a mm-hmm. predator. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's not as cut and dry. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, I mean, I was, I was highlighting some things while I was reading and there's one where I'm just like, like this feels like this is, you know, almost halfway through the book. It, we know by then we're well established in Delaware, but this is Newark, Delaware. Delaware is 3,333 kilometers from home. I feel same, the same today as I did yesterday. I'm like, hell yeah. Delaware book. What about Newark, Delaware? I mean, there's a... Uh, well, so is it Newark? Because there's a, there's a Newark, I think Newark, Ohio. Right. But it, it's, it's, Newark. It's, it's all the same because it's all, it's all like, uh, it's all religious. It's all like Newark, like the, oh, the, the, oh, the Ark, oh, yeah. oh, which is like... Like a haven for... Yeah, like Noah's Ark. It's, it's mm. a haven for immigration, right? Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. I don't think, not in style and not really in what it's trying to do but i was reminded a lot of it almost feels like a complimentary piece in the in the inverse to crying in h mart where that's an immigrant story that's all about food this is also largely not largely about food but like there's a lot of food, a lot in, of here. food in here yeah. but there's the there's the like the, the 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 saddest i almost felt like almost again somebody gets killed in this like i don't i don't feel worse about this but like them being in a new country and not knowing where to get food and like buying food at the gas station. Like that's just like where no, that, this, this, this make, I, that makes more sense to me being sad about that than being sad about the gun violence, partially because 
Um, it feels more real. Maybe. And, and, and when, I mean, yeah, when we've, we're, we're like conditioned to, uh, absorb gun violence and entertainment as entertainment. Right. And, and that's like a, you know, obviously like a guy going to, up to someone's house, like, 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 yeah. like an immigrant who's not, who doesn't speak English mm-hmm. going up to someone's house and, and being like, where's my daughter and having a shotgun pointed at him and having that guy kill him. Like, that's very much in the news. That's something that is right. like uh, again a story of an unknown American, right? Something that will. But that's also an, that's disappear. also an America that we know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So it's like that's not. It's not like that's not uh, something real and something sad. But it is something that because we're reading an entertainment, we are conditioned to not be saddened mm-hmm. by violence quite as much as maybe we should, and be saddened by the more subtle things like having to get food at the gas station. And I think that there's something like the helpless feeling. And I think there's something really beautiful in like when she finally connects with another woman at the building or in the complex or whatever. And she's like, here's where you go for food. Here's you go for this, this, that, mm-hmm. whatever. And just like, oh, like it, it opens up a world to her because there's something that just like so profoundly sad, like being in another like, you know, when I when I go when I travel like to go to Spain or whatever, but like I still I have my phone and like I can translate like this is just, like she, this woman is on her own. In a language, in a, in a country with a language that she does not speak, where she probably feels unwelcomed because mm-hmm. people around her are just like go home, either overtly or sub, you know, sub whatever, and she is just like, well, they have, fo- they have food here, like we can buy this. Yeah. It just like it's something just so simple and sad about that mm-hmm. that just. And there's covered. there's something uh, very moving about the uh, the building taking up collections so that you can bury your husband in Mexico. Mm-hmm. I found that moving. Um, but also, I I found the Deus Ex Machina of them having the ten thousand dollars from the yeah. from the sister's divorce to be a little clumsy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. Let's see what the extra has to say. We have an email address lottery at cageclub.me. We have two emails to read. We're going to read eggs about this book, and then we have another book, another email about Jest. The episode just came out about Jest. But mm-hmm. first off, Meg's reaction to the book of unknown Americans. Egg writes. I really like this book, but it made me have some conflicting emotions. I did not like, actually, I'm going to read this on my phone. Hold on. I did not like the love story between Mayer and Maribel. It made me feel uncomfortable, and I also felt it was inappropriate. But then I kept going back and forth about whether feeling uncomfortable was ableist of me. And the conclusion I came to actually came from one of Mayer's lines. He mentions that no one asked Maribel what she wanted, but he's also guilty of not asking Maribel what she wanted. As readers, we always we already know Maribel is passive when it comes to sexual experiences because of what happened with brackets insert character's name here that I that I forget. I think Garrett. I think yeah. it's Garrett. Yeah, lifting her shirt up and being uncomfortable. Through her conversations with the mayor, it eventually becomes clear she had made that 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 experience had made her uncomfortable, and presumably she's comfortable with Mayor. However, this conversation was had after they'd already made out, and Mayor jizzed in his pants. Love egg writing jizz in his pants in the email. <laughs> so I'm hesitant to give Mayor the benefit of the doubt in this scenario. He just gives off nice guy vibes to me, and I really don't like it, which, yeah. What I'm saying. I, I, yeah, he's 14 years old. He's going to jizz in his pants. I don't know what to say about that. We're not talking about that anymore. He, he, just... he, had, he, had the, he had the presence of mind to be ashamed of it and to hide it. But then, like, when the, when the other lady's like, she's like, he got out of the car and his pants were wet. Yeah, come on. Get out of here. I really liked... Kiskea, 
Is that how it, yeah. you're pronouncing it? Kiskea? As a character, and she's one of the people I felt most sorry for. The book portrayed her as a gossip in a pejorative uh-huh, way. Uh-huh. But I think that's a little unfair. That's because Meg is a gossip. But go ahead. (laughs) 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 Putting on blast. (laughs) We know from her testimonial she was sexually assaulted and or raped. Based on Mayer's aggression toward her and my own opinions on the relationship between Mayer and Maribel, I understand why Mm. she'd want to tell Maribel's parents about what she saw between them. I think the narrators who describe Kiskea unfairly judge her. Yeah. I think part of the reason I liked her is because the novel is trying too hard to paint her as a villain. All in all, Egg writes, I am I enjoy this novel and I'm glad I read it. Yeah, jokes aside, that is a really good notes about Kiskea. And I, I agree. I think that she is written as a villain, mm-hmm. uh, but also she clearly just wants friends and feels betrayed by uh, Maribel's mother. Mm-hmm. No, sorry, sorry, not Maribel's mother. Um, Mayor's mother. Uh, Alma? Is it mm-hmm. Alma? Mm-hmm. Um, for having a new friend. Yeah. Right, which is hard. Right. Like, because now she's like... Oh, there's like a new family on the block, and now they're friends with all the people I want to be friends with. Yeah. And, yeah. Lady, you're going about it all wrong. Stop ratting on kids. Be friends with Mayor. Yeah. You could use a friend. We also have an email here from Tim, new writer inner subject line. It was Lyle. Hey guys, loved the infinite jest episode. Great. Starting with the compliment. Now here comes the correction. <laughs> oh, the corrector, which even as we were, I feel like most of that episode, I was apologizing. I'm like, I'm sorry. Got it wrong. Don't no. And, and afterwards I, I, I was like, there's a thousand things that I feel like yep. I like didn't, like I didn't explain a lot of the stuff that I, that I wanted to explain correctly. And then you think about things that you should have Mm -hmm. talked about more. Um, Yeah. Yeah. He says, James wasn't moving the tennis balls during Hal's challenge match with Stice, though Lyle was. Mm -hmm. Remember James told Gately he's just a generic garden variety wraith, implying there are other wraiths who aren't. He also says he can't ordinarily affect anything or anyone solid before leaving and bringing back objects to prove he's real. In other words, he wasn't able to physically affect Gately or anything in the room, so he had to get them from so he had to get them from someone else. That somebody else, of course, turned out to be Lyle, who Gately was able to feel licking his forehead. Mm-hmm. As a Buddhist quote unquote hungry ghost in limbo awaiting reincarnation, it's Lyle interacting with the physical world for James, including dosing Hal's toothbrush with a DMZ. Lyle had been tormenting Stice ever since he crazy glued Lyle's left buttocks spandex to the top of the towel dispenser, including moving Stice's bed up to the ceiling, i.e., you've made your bed, so now you must lie in it, and gluing his forehead to the window. Mm-hmm. We know Hal's game was off because he'd stopped smoking marijuana. In early drafts of the book, there was a later scene in which Hal and Stice play a challenge match after Stice's forehead had been gruesomely torn open, presumably giving James's Wraith the opportunity to communicate with Stice who could then communicate with Hal. Eventually, considered redundant, the scene itself was dropped, but the buildup had been intertwined with other narratives, so it remained. Hal barely beating Stice was presumably meant to provide the reason for their rematch. Meg, here's Meg. I hope you're ready. Well, well, let let me let me me address address some of that. Number one, like I think that fills in a lot of. uh, Did you know about that stuff or no? No, Uh, like I I think that fills fills in a lot of plot detail stuff that I um, 
that is good. It's and it sounds it sounds uh, correct yep. to me. I don't like and never like going to material that's not actually in the book to prove something that is in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it feels like, and I've said this a million times on here before, like the book is not Wallace's anymore. So like stuff that's not in the book does not have any bearing on the stuff that is in the book. Mm-hmm. Now you, it, it might be talking about author author intention. And author intention just doesn't mean that much to me. Um, that said, I think like what he what he said, I I would have to re- reread that. It's it sounds like a good like plot or con like it fills in the lack of context in a way that makes a lot of sense to me. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm glad to have that because I am not and have never really been a great plot reader. Mm. Like. Um, I don't remember plot details especially well. I remember, uh, you know, feelings and mm-hmm. individual scenes and moments that that reflect on me. So, like the the complex structure and and uh, again the the things that are left uh, without context that you have to fill in the context for has always been kind of a weak spot for me, especially with that book. So, um, part of me is annoyed at the email because something I enjoy is not having that stuff explained. <laughs> like one thing that I really like about the novel is the mysteries and, and the, and the trying to figure it out. And, and so, so this is not Tim's fault. The, uh, Tim is, Tim is great. Tim is clearly a very intelligent reader and, and like is, did a great job and, and has read this book a number of times and, and has dissected it in, in a meaningful in a meaningful way. Um, and also presumably like read about it, not just read it, but read about it, yeah, like yeah, explored yeah. beyond the text. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that will, like now when I reread, I'll think like, I'll try to fill in the blanks with what he, with what he just said. But I mean, that also might be like, he was saying that it's a, an earlier version, like Wallace might've changed his mind, right? Like it might've been his decision to like, I want to let the mystery be, or like, I don't like this idea. Or, I don't want to have the answers there. So like, mm-hmm. even if, if at one point he's like, this is, how it's going to be laid out like that doesn't necessarily i think there is i I think there was like a there's something that wallace said at some point where he was like i think what happens is pretty obvious and i can't believe that people have such a hard time with really yeah um it's like dude have you read this well it's just you know you lose you lose perspective when the person that wrote it i think um and so removing it because it's redundant makes sense because you because it's so obvious to the to the to the reader and also it was probably he probably felt like it was getting a bit long maybe i also do like it, it's it's strange to me that in this version he's basically writing like oh no ghosts are real like it's just like it feels in the way that like the text i think presents it in a way that it might just be someone having a moment or something but this description makes it feel like oh no there's ghosts real and the ghosts are doing stuff and like this is, this is how it plays yeah, out why does he say that lyle doses tell hal's toothbrush is that in there no so presumably maybe so that so that Hal can be in the um, hospital with Gately. Maybe. The other paragraph in this email is a compliment to Dear Sweet Egg. I love it. Meg probably had the best grasp of the book. <laughs> I mean, that's like, God bless. I mean, Meg is uh, every bit as smart as me, if not smarter. But that feels like a, uh, a dig. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, she wrote an email. She had time to rewrite and we're freeballing for no, two No, no, hours. no, no. There's no excuses. I'll, I'll, I'll take this. I'll take this lump. But that, that, that's worded in a very precise way that is meant to, to injure us. 
including her consideration of the narrator and Gately as a Christ figure. The mm-hmm. novel's narrator, however, was simply revealing his presence to the reader by asking, quote, has anybody mentioned Gately's head is square? Which he then, of course, reaffirms. Mm-hmm. Yes, the novel's narrator is presenting the viewpoints of the other characters, but he's still the one doing so and obviously has his own reasons for what he shares. It's obviously not Avril, though. The novel won't make sense until you realize who it is, what he's doing, and why. It's basically autofiction. Did, did you say that it was Avril? Did you say that you thought it was Avril? Because when he says, obviously, it's not Avril, that sounds like he's... I definitely didn't say that it was Avril. I don't Avril. remember, man. Okay. Cheers, Tim. Cheers, Tim. Um, uh, uh, it being autofiction was Megan Boyle's take on it, if you remember. Oh. Um, wait. Because she talked about how, like, all fiction is is biography of, of the author anyway. And so if he's saying that it's autofiction, what he's saying is that the person that's narrating is Wallace. Which fits in with Wallace's sort of well, he so he wrote Tim wrote Megan, not Meg. So maybe he was talking about. Do we bring up Megan Boyle in that episode? N- no, no, he's talking about the egg. egg. Yeah, he's the not egg. talking about Megan Boyle. Um, but he also, but Megan Boyle talked about it being autofiction. Yeah, but Meg talked about Gately being a Christ figure and things like that. Hmm. Why couldn't they have different names? <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. Which you also kind of talked about as, like, he was a former tennis sure, prodigy. But he, that's, yeah, but it, it's like. Yeah, if you want to write in about Jest or this book or any book, either, you know, we've got one more book this season. we got Sunburn by Laura Lippman, which we will have recorded by the time you hear this. So you can't really write in about that for that episode. But you can write about that book for future episodes. Yeah, you can write about anything. Write about anything. Just we can have a love line episode. I have to tell us about your romantic problems. Lottery at cageclub.me. Yeah, write about, I don't know. Um, today is crime. No, we got, got more Delaware Wait, There's facts. more stuff? There's a Delaware fact. Oh, Delaware fact. Come on. You, you told me keep on. I can't. Yeah, yeah, can't. that's true. That's true. That's true. Do you want to guess? I love that. This, this might be my favorite Delaware fact of any of them. You want to guess the state dog of Delaware? It's got to be major. Biden's dog that bites people. The state dog? Rescue dogs. All right. <laughs> Okay, Del- okay, Delaware. It's a, it's a little try hard. Sign, I know a lot of it is. Remember, <laughs> they have the Dripasaurus, Dripasaurus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, so- we we get that nobody cares about Delaware, but like the way to to like counter that is to but to be aloof about nobody caring about you. Just just sort of be chill. Lean against the wall when you're t- you know don't like you don't you don't have to what you don't you don't have to peacock. People love people love rescue dogs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Signed on May fifteenth, twenty nineteen, the state dog of Delaware is rescue dogs. There are many animal welfare agencies in the state of Delaware proud to provide mm, care mm, for those homeless mm, dogs, mm. striving to enhance the well-being of companion animals and committing mm-hmm. to ending pet overpopulation and committed to okay. keeping you reading. Uh, state, uh, state, state hero nurses, state, uh, <laughs> a hero lives here in Delaware. Uh, today's crime is, we'll call it the Little Miss Sunshine, um, which is transporting a body across in America will takes at the wheel No one needs anyone they don't even just pretend